la la la. Welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. I'm Matt Donnelly. I'm Tim Malloy. Tim Malloy, tell the nice people at home what we do on the Shoot This Now podcast. The Shoot This Now podcast, if you're joining us for the first time, is the podcast where we talk about stories that we think should be made into a movie. And this week, we have a great story that it's we think should be made into a movie. fun for the whole family. <laughs> we want to start off giving credit to Dan Cummings' excellent Time Suck podcast. <laughs> Uh, which brought the story to our attention, the story of Aleister Crowley. And, and Time Suck is so appropriate for for wow. what this is. Sorry. Good time to say. Uh, <laughs> we rarely do content warnings on this because we yeah. assume you're an adult, but this mm-hmm. does contain um, sexual activity involving the devil. The de- Yeah, the, it, it's kind of a humdinger. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, exper- it's ritualistic sex that is very reliant on certain functions of sexual intercourse um, and involves not okay for some religious or anti-religious deities and practices. So if you're offended by anything involving sex, this is not the episode for you. No, it's not. If you're offended by the occult... This is not a good one for you. Go listen to the Tylenol murders. Go listen to our great episode about the Tylenol murders. Yeah, Something great. clean for the whole family. Exactly. And it's like, um, it's like, because I know who you people are. You're the ones that watch all the Netflix murder stuff. And then you're like, how dare you talk about orgasms? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That whole double standard we have in our society yeah. where violence is cool and sexual stuff is not. Totally. And the American audience thinks that gun violence is totally okay as long as it's justified. Because you know who's justifying it is like Tom Hardy over the barrel of a gun. You know, this story is an, is a nice case where we're going to just talk frankly about sexual matters, but yes. it actually isn't okay because it's <laughs> they're trying to raise devils. Exactly. So this week's episode is about a man who is the worst man with the most fun name to say ever. Alistair Crowley. Just let it roll around. Alistair Crowley. It feels like um he's a he's a professor at the wizarding school of Hogwarts. And he was literally part of a wizarding consort <laughs> at one point in his That's life. That's true. He and a bunch of other wizards um would argue about wizardry. They would talk about different aspects of magic. They would have as as Dan Cummings hilariously describes in the Time Suck podcast, a wizard war that went on for three days. <laughs> as they ca- tried to uh, clean out their ranks of the fake-ass wizards yeah. and get to only the real hardcore wizards. And more than a few wands were crossed, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Wands were crossed. Um, the poet Yeats, at one point, got Aleister Crowley kicked out of one magical order, and then he joined a different magical order, which was more reliant on sex of all kinds, like Lando Calrissian. Aleister Crowley was a pansexual. Yes, um, which is the word of the week. The word of the week. A person who likes to have sex with pans, <laughs> and also men, Teflon, and women, cast iron, anyone, yep. anything of any sort. Yes. Um, pan flutes. <laughs> nothing was safe with Aleister Crowley. Pan handlers. Uh, one. The reason we keep calling him such a very bad person. Um, one of the things he liked to do later in life. See, he had an abbey where he would carry out all of his sex magic exper- experiments. And this included um, uh, supposedly letting children witness the sex magic experiments, which we're well, taking a good. hard no against. Yes, we're going we're gonna to su- sacrifice our objectivity and say that's a huge no. So we're not going to return to that subject. No. But we are going to say that was super not cool. Right. And we are going to erase that part out of the story if this ever becomes the movie that we are proposing. Yeah. Yeah, um, and to be fair, I think there's some there's a lot of similar themed stuff like this going on in the ether, um, with stuff.
stuff like Wild Wild Country. Yeah. Um, I was talking to you about the parallels. I well, not the parallels, but the I've been watching and catching up on the second season of The Handmaid's Tale, and I'm, yeah. I'm I'm frustrated by it because a lot of the writing is. Uh, dealing with, I think, I think a sort of dated idea of what like modern, open, fluid sexuality and identity is, and and that's what's being lost in the show and, and, and by the villains yeah. of, of the story, and I'm like, this is not where we're going. So I just I think it's it, it ticks a couple of boxes. Well, I definitely feel that there is a renewed attention on cults right now, and I think For it's sure. paralleling the 70s rise of actual cults. I mean, then we were actually joining cults, mm-hmm. now we're studying cults or being fascinated by cults, and it's kind of like when the societal, when the things that we come to rely on as societal constructs break down and the system doesn't seem to be working, people turn to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, in the 70s, after Watergate, after Vietnam, see how I mispronounced Watergate, like Fast. a true Philadelphian. <laughs> uh, Matt and I both have Philadelphia roots. We do. Watergate. Watergate. Um, At the Acme grocery store. <laughs> when, when Watergate and Vietnam and everything else sort of made people lose their faith in institutions, they turned to these crazy groups that which later turned out to be cults. Mm-hmm. And now, fortunately, instead, we're for the most part watching Netflix shows about cults. Yeah. But no, that's such an interesting... Yeah, of course, uh, the, the anxieties of the time lead to rise of alternate... or in, of intervention. <laughs> yeah. And Crowley was totally revolting against Victorian institutions. And he revolted hard. Super hard. Um, Literally. The, the Time Suck podcast does a great job sort of establishing his rise. I, I, I would be remiss. I do not think it was Quakers, but he was from a very stringent, conservative, wealthy family. Mm-hmm. Um, and You always naturally assume it's Quakers when you're not sure <laughs> who the people were, and you go after the Quakers, who I think are probably the nicest people ever. Wait, are you talking – have I gone after the Quakers before? You went after the Quakers in a previous episode. By the way, that's – <laughs> How many minutes in before Tim gives me a fucking value judgment? In defense of the um, Quakers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or, oats, or, or like, no, because it's more like, oh, something Matt always does is go after twice. the <laughs> You've twice attacked Quakers. <laughs> three times and it's a trend. Wait, what's that, what's that joke? It's the report. How does a reporter count to three? Yeah. One, two, trend. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Quakers come for me. I, I grew up in Pennsylvania. I can handle you. Um, my, yeah, my grandma's a Quaker. All the social media faction of Quakers are going to be like, at, at me, bro. They're going to be so mad. They're going to be so mad. Um, but I, I think a lot of his, uh, uh, obviously, Aleister Crowley was someone who conducted and 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 established a religion, really, yeah. um, based on sex rituals. And I think, obviously, you can draw a straight line from a conservative privileged, pressured background Mm -hmm. into total rebellion that Mm -hmm. also places him at the center Mm -hmm. of all of it. And what our story is kind of getting into is, is he using the devil stuff to, okay, is he using the devil stuff kind of as a means to his own pleasure, or Mm -hmm. is he using his own pleasure to get to the devil stuff? Yeah, let's, so let's go into the heart of the story, because there's a great, there's a great character, um, sort of study about one of the earlier lovers of his who he sort of indoctrinated same-sex sex acts, which is, I think, even more sort of rebellious for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this story is particularly about a man named Victor Newberg. Yeah, who was an early lover of Crowley's and sort of a, a template, if you will, for what would become these sex magic experiments of Mr. Crowley, for which he was known. Usually we like to cast these things at the end, but I think it might be helpful in this case to cast this person right at the beginning yeah. because we both a thousand percent agreed we, on who a, it should be. And independently, not even in a conversation. Let me read a quick description of Mr. Newberg, who um, was seven years Junior to Crowley and a looker. This is just a little bit about how Crowley encountered him upon their first meeting. Is is this Crowley's description? Yes. Wonderful. He was agnostic, a vegetarian, a mystic, a Tolstoyan, and several other things all at once. He endeavored to express his spiritual state by wearing the green star of Esperanto, though he could not speak the language, refusing to wear a hat, to wash, to wear trousers. When addressed, he wriggled convulsively, and his lips, which were three times too large for him, had been put on hastily as, an, as if an afterthought. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Mr. Timothy Chalamet. That is Timothy Chalamet to a T. To a T, with an accent above the T. It also sounds like a Stefan club. <laughs> like New York's hottest club is agnostic. It's a vegetarian yes. mystic Tolstoy club. Everything. Several other things at once. The green star of Nesperanto. <laughs> um, you cannot yeah. wear a hat. No, you can't wear a hat. You or cannot you wear can, trousers. And you can't wash. so it's so timothy chalamet yeah yes timothy chalamet is going to get typecast after this role Mm -hmm. as like the smaller guy in the same sex relationship that is ambivalent that is has a lot of ambiguity around it but how can he not embrace this role he gets to Get it on with Aleister Crowley. He does. So we have to find him a worthy Aleister Crowley. But also, Tim and I were having this discussion, too. The New York Times released an insane story this week called The Age of the Twink, as if uh, announcing that young, androgynous, fair-haired, and and marble-skinned young men were suddenly, like, all the rage. And I think it's, it's such a story that the, the New York Times loves to write. Right, um, because it's like it's an it's 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 just it's something they would do. It's like announcing a trend that's a stupid thing. Like all of a sudden, Westsiders are getting vacation homes in Brooklyn. You know, like it's the stupidest. It's so weird to me that whenever they do these stories, I'm like, this body type is the type right now. Yeah, and they're like, like in the '90s, and it was like heroin chic. That's the look right now. Exactly. Oh, good. I'll lose thirty pounds. <laughs> And I'll become extremely pale. I was previously olive skinned or have an ethnicity that is not supportive of this look, but oh well, how chic it is. So short sighted is that it's not a look of now, it's a look that everyone mostly everyone will will eventually have gone through. It's like I was saying, like um, it's like any blonde young actress who gets every script in the world after she has a hit movie. Right. This is the time. This is your Jennifer Lawrence moment. It's your Margot Robbie moment. It's like it's a, f- a couple year window, maybe for yeah. some even less. Yeah. You strike while the iron's hot, and then you move on. It ha- it's like the ingenue is, is basically what it is, but it's in a codified male sex way. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, but that's and what Timothy Chalamet is going to get until he, I don't know, puts on 20 pounds of muscle, which he will for some he, dumb movie, and then he'll be... He's going to be pounds, and he's going to be a great Logan at some Exactly, point, and then we're going to start calling him Daddy, and then like in 30 years, there's going to be a BuzzFeed post of like 10 photos to remind you that Timothy Chalamet was a twink, <laughs> and then we're going to share it, and I'm going to link to this podcast and say, <laughs> told you. So... Uh, this is. These are our two lovers. We have yes. Aleister Crowley, who is at this point around 30-ish, mm-hmm. a little and, over 30. And he's really just starting to set off to write the doctrine and, and, and totally invent 
these sex rituals that will right. become the basis of his practice. There might be old books that refer back to these things that were written by other people who were just trying to get in some guy's pants, but these are all... <laughs> These, I think we can call BS on these. Yeah. I don't think these work. Yeah, I think, um, and, and also you should just, if you want a complete history, listen to the Time Suck podcast because Dan is hilarious in his delivery because yeah. I think he finds it all very silly, which is a really good way to read this because yeah. if not, it's very depressing. Yeah, it could be really depressing. Yeah, um, but oh. their relationship, I think the crux of it is over a three-day period in a desert as far as, as I the, know. The climax of it, as yeah. I see it, yeah. The there's, climax. Look at you. There's going to so be clever. so many. Almost every sentence of this podcast, I could end by going, literally. <laughs> so please just to pretend I'm saying that so you don't have to suffer through it. Um, but yeah, their relationship climaxes in the desert where they're trying to literally have sex to raise a demon. Yes. Um, they think <clears> that through their sex magic... Which with is an spelled I C K. Thank you for distinguishing that. I think it's important that everyone know that. Right. We don't want to disparage <laughs> real magic. <laughs> yes. Just to be clear, we're still huge fans of real magic. If you're doing magical right. performances, which is harnessed by Iron Man and Beyonce, magic with an I C K is the dark that's, arts. That's the scary magic that we are not into on this podcast. <laughs> but we're huge fans of real magic, yes. the good stuff. Yeah. Magic, not magic. <laughs> oh, is, the, and the band that sings that song, Rude, is called Magic, isn't it? Uh, is rude? Is that M A G I C? I think they're M A G I C K with three exclamation points. I have to look That's it up. That's the I'm going to marry marry her anyway. Yes, exactly. It's yeah. the white guys who sing in Rasta tone. Yeah, sorry if you're a, not white. He's not white. I'm sorry. I was, uh, yeah, it's a capital magic, no K with an exclamation point. You guys are magic as well. So are those guys on the good side? Then? They're on the good side. So <laughs> they're, somehow they're, we're on, aligned, they're on our side. We're aligned with the guys who sing. <laughs> Why you gotta be so rude? Okay. Uh, yes, we are. The, in in this battle of wizards, they are our uh, sirens. You know that song, like this story, <laughs> is a story about casting off the expectations of the patriarchy. What in a this beautiful case, correlation! In this case, the father of the woman he wants to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that magic. In this <laughs> now case, the podcast is about the lyrics of magic. <laughs> so rude. They're aligned with magic. And perhaps our movie can end with a a very like sort of chamber music version of that song. Yeah, it could. It could yeah. be. It could be so rewarding. <laughs> um, but and and to clarify too, that what Tim and I both have our skeptic uh, skepticism about what Crowley's intentions were. But he's selling Newberg on the idea that sexual energy can be harnessed to transcend reality. Right. Which is another way, a fancy way of saying orgasm, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in order to raise the demon. The demon. And it's got some crazy name that I, I, I didn't even write it down because I couldn't even pro- like uh, pronounce it. Oh, my God. Wait. And can I just, I'll just put in a take here in case you have to edit it out. Dan's quote is, after Nuremberg has the premature ejaculation, you just nutted away our entire ritual. <laughs> right. Because Which I feel like at some point was in a Brad Easton Ellis novel, and now it's not. Because in this ritual, the demon is standing by to enter our sphere, but he's like, all right, when is this guy going to finish? I need this to go on for at least nine minutes. And then he's like, seven minutes? Forget it. I'm not breaking through to the other world. Like, so he's watching them and he knows. Alistair Crowley is like, break me off. Show me what you got. I don't want no one minute man. <laughs> but the demon knows. The demon is monitoring every time two dudes are doing this to bring him into the world. And he's like, can he make it? Can he make it? Think about soccer. 
Dead mice, dead mice, dead mice, dead mice. <laughs> um, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> so the demon does not appear. This is a very blue episode. Very, we <laughs> should, this we started with a warning. Exactly, we did. It's fine. Um, it's mostly me. Um, but uh, and then, well, t- so Tim, tell him about what happens. Tell, tell him what happens. The demon doesn't come to Earth? Yes, and according to Time Suck, it's because uh, our young Chalamet is <laughs> easily excitable and... And uh, as like his youthful exuberance. Exactly, experiences his pleasure before his partner does and thusly ruins the ritual that's about to manifest the demon. Um, and it actually ended their relationship. That's Alistair it. Crowley was furious. That's it. Was furious. That's that, the actual that's end of the, the whole actual relationship. Three days in the desert. The guy got a little excited too quickly, and he was like, "You know what? I don't want no one minute man." This is a commercial for like a sexual aid. Yeah. Like it's it's like an ad for like a Viagra. There's no Viagra. Did you fail like, to manifest your demon in the desert? It's like wow. So that's it. It's <laughs> never happened before. Hey man, I'm sorry. I'm really tired. It's been a long week at work, and like I, I don't know. And you're just so sexy. I just love you so much. It's cool. It happens to lots of guys. <laughs> <laughs> and then Alistair's communing with the demon, and he's like, "That was pathetic. That was bad." Done. Um, next. So I guess like we do their whole entire relationship, the whole lead up to the relationship, yeah. and the way we were talking about it before this started is Crowley is this like shrewd manipulator who yeah. will do anything he can to get in this guy's pants mm-hmm. to get in the pants of Newberg who by the way is a great poet among other things and wow. really is a good poet is he um, yeah look, look at some of his poems really uh, good are they Crowley's all haikus <laughs> Crowley's that's also a joke about not lasting long enough oh cause they're um, too short cause they're too short oh boy zing um, yeah no they're all one line um, <laughs> Crowley Crowley is doing whatever he can to get in Newberg's pants and we think that the way we were formulating it Newberg is like closeted, like probably a lot of people in 1905. Um, and Crowley is like sort of trying different ways to make it okay for this to happen. Yes. And is finally yeah. like, well, hey, look, this is in the interest of magic. Right. And at that point, for Newberg, it becomes a little bit of a like, oh, well, hey, this is just for magic. I mean, yeah. we're just trying to raise a demon. We're not doing anything yeah. bad here. It's like um, when a child asks a parent for money and the kid says, well, it's for something I need. Well, if it's something yeah. you need, yeah. well, if it's for magic, then it's like, <laughs> I mean, in that case. But I, I kind of like the idea of the two of them well aware that they just want to bugger each other. Right. And using everything else as a, as a ceremony to justify how radical the act was for the time. Right. Um, and that, like, it seems to me that the stakes keep ratcheting up. So it's right. not just that sexual energy can transcend reality it's that oh if it's really good a little demon comes out well and their sexual energy actually does change reality because That's their true. reality changes from being chased with each other oh. to actually getting it on with each other totally and it's like the mandela effect I, i'd like to think now we need to explain what the mandela effect i will is. explain it as soon as you've done your thoughts when two guys go into the desert <laughs> and have sex in order to <laughs> and then they spend demon. 40 years in prison uh-huh that um. is and that is the legacy of... No, the, mm-hmm. the Mandela Effect quickly, which is such a... We should actually do an episode about that. It's when a large mass group of a population has one incorrect idea about how events unfold and then create oh, a wow. new reality where, like, people have... Th- apparently, a very large population has the idea that Nelson Mandela died in prison, and he didn't. But that has been printed in text. It's taught in schools. It is a mass misconception. It's kind of like how here, the, the other example for Americans, I think, is never once in the movie Silence of the Lambs does Lecter say, 
hello, Clarice. Right. He oh, only says hello. Or the classic is played again, Sam in Casablanca. Yes. Where he never actually says play it's it again. It's a total Sam. fallacy. This yeah. has never happened. Um, and, and the children's book, The Bernstein Bears, is actually spelled Bernstein. Oh, right. Um, yeah. but There's a whatever, big yeah. debate about this, whether it changed at some exactly. point and they tricked everybody. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, we're really going down the rabbit hole. We are, sorry. Anyway, welcome back to Info Welcome Wars. back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> North Korea today. Um, maybe you should cut that out. Light, <laughs> light bulbs are spying on the Bernstein Bears. But I think we both, I, I really enjoy the idea of the two of them knowing exactly what's going on here. Yeah, it's yeah. very subtext. It's kind of an SNME thing where like they both are, they both have like full you know, compatibility mm-hmm. and awareness and consent for what's going on. Right. But they're doing it under the aegis of like, yeah, this is just for the demon. Like, that's kind of what we have to tell ourselves in order for this to be okay. <laughs> Crowley doesn't care at all. Exactly. Crowley's like, I'll do this for, who knows? For I don't, giggles, yeah. I think Crowley is like pretty open sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, one good thing we can say about Crowley <laughs> is he's selfish enough to not care what society thinks about him. Yeah, for um, sure. And pri- well, privilege, that's and, privilege too. And, but. And, and in that case, it's a pot. In terms of his sexuality, it's a good thing. If everybody was like that, that would be good. <laughs> Unfortunately, he's like that about everything. Yeah. Um, including, he's one of those, um, you know, the idea that your rights extend as far as your arm before it hits my nose. Oh, interesting. He's one of those guys who likes swinging his arms and everything else all around <laughs> everywhere and causes lots of pain in the Helicoptering process. anywhere he can. He is always helicoptering, hitting everybody in the nose. Oh, my he's God. He's having terrible relationships with women. He's having yeah. terrible relationships with offspring. Yeah, he was not He was not limited to just men. And some of the, some of the criteria he had for the partners, I, I don't even think it's appropriate for me to say, so I won't say it. But it's that, like flutes. He's having terrible relationships with flutes. flutes. He's having terrible relationships with, with the horn women. section. Um, yeah, it's yeah. just a disaster. Uh, but and I think sexual. at some point, um, at some point, he like like all cult leaders do. You might have intentions, and you might be a fraud, and, and there might be some kind of game, um, game afoot in yourself. But at some point, you go full conversion and start believing that you harness energy to change reality and, and believe because uh, that's that's everyone. That's Manson. It's it's everybody. And you probably have to. You yeah. probably have to believe that you're doing something, even if you're just doing this right. because you want to have sex with a lot of people. It's like pathological liars, right? You have to yeah. convince yourself that the thing yeah. is true so that first you can justify getting up in the morning. Mm-hmm. And second, it becomes much easier to convince others that you're this good person. Yeah. Like I do every day, yeah. doing it right now. Right now, <laughs> absolutely. Um, you so see this, th- I, so anyway, I I, I, I see s- this as a dark arts. Yes. Call me by your name. Call me by your name. And by the way, Tim, what did you think of Call Me by Your Name? Well, here's the thing. Here's the parallel I see. In Call Me by Your Name, um, what's Winklevi's name again? Army. Army Hammer. Hammer. Yes. Army Hammer's character um, does serve a good function in Timothy. I'm just going to refer to the characters and the actors yes. interchangeably. Please do. Please do. Um, Army does serve a good function in the life of Chalamet because mm-hmm. he like gets him out of the closet. He makes him actually realize that he's gay, mm-hmm. um, and he opens up this whole world to him. He's a negative because he basically bails out on him and That's isn't true. anywhere near as invested. Yeah. Um, and I think this is a similar dynamic where um, while, while Alistair Crowley is a terrible person, he does serve a good purpose for the purposes of our movie right. in that he, he helps Newberg realize who he really is, what he really wants. And Newberg, who's very young when this happens, probably yeah. goes on and has a good, normal, healthy life. Conjure me by your name. Conjure me by your name. Um, yeah. No, yeah, you're right. And also finds an artistic outlet. And, and may, so maybe the best thing that ever oh. happened was that premature 
orgasm because he would have been hitched up with Crowley much longer if it was if it, if they ha- what if they had brought the demon and then they'd have a child to take yeah, care of then they'd have to take care of the demon <laughs> but I mean in Call Me By Your Name <laughs> I, I was think, gonna work I, I yeah. think like at the end of that movie spoilers you should go see the movie see the movie if you haven't seen now. it this is your fault um, although the movie ends with Shalomay in a very 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 sad place. Mm-hmm. We know that he's going to be stronger from this, and he's going to go on and have a good life. Yeah, and he's going to totally. have a much more open life, and he's never going to be closeted ever. No. Um, and we know that Army Hammer is going to go on and marry this poor woman, mm-hmm. and they're going to have a fake marriage, yeah. and his life is going to be a fraud. And then she's going to grow up to be Amy Adams, and they're going to star in Nocturnal Animals. They did, didn't they? They did. They were a great wow. couple. Yeah. A couple of years between them, but I love them. Wow. Um, yeah, uh, I I see it as much more of a comedy. Also, I I think the way that the Time oh, Suck it, podcast. It's, it's also a comedy because we have the bad guy like not uh, things end badly for the bad guy. Like yeah. Newberg will go on to great things, right. and Crowley will go on to like die addicted to heroin. Totally. And a small cottage. and be a false prophet, and and then be on a hugely popular podcast where we make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> That's will, your fate, buddy. Where I will talk down my, my gay co-host, explaining to him the dynamics of the same sex. Yes, tell me that part about internalized <laughs> shame again. Please, please, please explain that to me again, Tim. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, I, I see see a little more broad. I, I think that hearing the way that Dan on Time Suck told the story, he like does the voices and he thinks it's very silly. I, I think that's a really strong read to have on a very bad person where everyone can sort of have fun. So I see this as like a, a an absurdist satire in the vein of The Little Hours, which was a, mm. a, a Sundance movie two years ago now. I don't know if a lot of people saw um, but it is a very broad take on something called the Decameron, mm-hmm. which is a text that imagines a feudal convent gone mad with sin, where the nuns have orgies with priests and farmers and sin runs amok. And it's a very dramatic text, but told through the absurdist lens. It's like everyone trying to get it's like Wet Hot American Summer in a convent in the <laughs> 1400s or something crazy <laughs> like that or much probably even earlier um so i'd love the idea of like a seth rogan james franco buddy style with the chalamet yeah. as newberg uh, of them and also i love the idea of them in a very modern blunt way acknowledging they just want to have gay sex but we've got to do it to summon Beezlebub. well i also like the idea of of the person who plays crowley being somebody who comes in with like some baggage or some some like something around them like some air of not sure how i feel about this person and i feel like james frank was kind of in a good position for that right now um i it's strange because it does feel like he hasn't had his career completely topsided by the accusations against him but he's definitely gone to ground there's definitely questions and Um, also he's gotten really great places before or gotten a lot of um goodwill by running toward all the stuff surrounding his sexuality. So yeah. for him to do this, I think, would put him back in a conversation that's safe. Not that we're writing the handbook on how James Franklin can come back. Not at all. But uh, but yeah, it's 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 problematic. But you're right. He'd be a really interesting choice to that right now. He's a person who I feel like is probably going to come back. I yeah. mean, they've said, for instance, that he'll be back on The Deuce, mm-hmm. um, his HBO show, yeah. which is absolutely great. I still haven't watched it. It's that. so excellent. Um and, of course, the first season aired before any of this stuff came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does feel like he has at least one project lined up and that he's coming back yeah. whether, whether there's he's a shot. being welcomed back or not. There's a shot movie, too, with uh, the Kravitz. Yeah. Someone said before all this stuff came out, I remember we were at a party, actually, um, and James Franco was there. 
Oh, and, yeah. And you I said, mean, don't yeah. get photographed near James Franco. He's next. <laughs> did I say that? You did. Because you'd heard somewhere. I cannot believe Tim just turned me out. You'd heard somewhere that something was afoot, was coming out. Like Actually, no, you it. can't tell that story because it, it happened. No it one happened. had it nailed down. Because um, it's always that, uh, and, and I don't think that Tim was married yet, but his then fiance came to town and it was like the one cool, like very invite only i'm just gonna yeah, say we it. It, to was, it, was, cool it was in, oh, it was in i won't say who okay, it was sure. um that got us into a cool party and uh like if it was eminent every news story would have used the last place he was photographed right. as the main image and i'm like right tim's gonna be there eating like an arancini rice ball right in the corner and looking like he's having the best time <laughs> <laughs> and uh james franco and and a group of his enablers yeah uh d- rubbed elbows at a hollywood party so um, we, we were not the people who were like i knew all along something was gonna happen you know whenever <laughs> something comes out about anyone yeah. like a thousand people appear and go yeah i knew all about this it's like well you probably should have called the cops if you had, exactly. had them i gotta to tell rights. you too i don't know maybe it's just like an irish east coast woman thing but i always have some fucking aunt or some g- f- yeah. friend of my mother's who's like, I had a dream about this. And I'm like, you did when, not. Whenever people you say that they knew it all along, I'm not. like, if you really knew it all along, why didn't you do something? Yeah, exactly. Like, so now you're complicit, you d- monster. There are things you can do about this. <laughs> um, and by the way, Matt and I have written a lot of these kinds of stories. Yeah. I know we're talking funny stuff now about right. guys trying mm. to bone a devil into existence, yeah. but we also write real stories. Yeah. And our, if you've heard about anything, in all systemic predation, yeah. You can absolutely reach out to us, and we <sighs> would love to talk. Um, and, now, and now, back to the back party to, where so, we saw so James Franco. So, anyway. Um, someone said... Someone said, uh-huh. I forgot which word it was, but they were talking about the deuce. And they go, the deuce is set in 1971, a time period so sleazy <laughs> that there are two James Francos. <laughs> because he that plays, is he plays so twins. so incredible. Yeah, that feels like a Colbert joke. And correct, sure. yeah. Um, but or like that a was Seth Meyers monologue. Came out. Oh, my God. So... Anyway, I think James Franco could be a really good crowd. You also had a really good point too that you would let you you enjoy casting very hallowed, lovely people in these types of roles. Right. My yeah. dream, my dream casting for anyone, anyone, because I really like when really lovable like <laughs> actors who people are just like that's the nicest person in the world are cast as like the devil himself. My dream is I want Tom Hanks to be like. Leo DiCaprio's role in Django. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. I want him to be like a horrible. Did you pronounce the hard J in Django? Django? In Django. You said Django. 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 <laughs> Django. Um, I want him to play like a horrible, incredibly evil, like oh racist, like yeah, awful person. Totally. So that it's so bad that people will put up pictures of that Tom Hanks character and like a Bubba Grunt. There'll be like a picture of Tom, of <laughs> there'll be a picture of like Tom Hanks. As Forrest Gump in a bubble oh in a bubble God. Gump shrimp, shrimp company, place. yeah. And some little kid will see it and go, "Why is there a picture of the horrible man exactly. in that like, movie?" It's Alistair Crowley, mom. It's, He's it's gonna come and fuck man. the demons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want Tom. I want Tom Hanks to blow up his image to that extent. That is my dream. You also said Hugh Jackman, which yeah, I, think I think might Hugh be Jackman a little great. on the note. No, I'm kidding. Um, um, I think his. I think some of the expressions he's capable of making yeah. as Logan, like some of the like very scary looks, would yeah. be great. And he'd have to. I don't know if Alistair Crowley was bald at this point. He was bald later. Yeah, he was bald later. He'd have to be bald, and that would yeah. be really. I don't great. know. I feel like maybe he was a bit more of a looker when he was. Actually, no. We saw a picture of him when he was young, and we were trying to decide who he looks like. An indiscriminate white brown haired man. So he's it could be little, anybody. He's Any a little Tom Chris's, Hardy. Also, he's a little Tom Hardy. Um, the only thing about Hugh Jackman is that he is such like a 
such a like, and, and I don't mean this in the literal sense, but he's such a good guy. Yeah. Like I feel like he'd have something encouraging to say to anybody, or yeah. or have like a like. There's just a fucking rainbow beaming out of his eyes and everything. Like I wonder if he could ever really go to like. Like the, the the only thing I can think of at the top of my head is, do you remember when Jennifer Aniston did the first horrible bosses movie? Okay, and she was like into like water sports and and like oh, um, and prostate massaging Jason Bateman and was like a really depraved. <laughs> like that to me was a beautiful, and she sold every minute yeah. of it. Like she yeah. didn't have any vanity, not that Hugh does, but was just like let's do this. I don't know that he can. I don't know. That there's like a plateau of grace in him that I don't think he can go below. I'm kind of changing my vote to Tom Hardy because I think okay. Hardy and also um, also Franco are capable of playing characters who you do not like. Yes. Um, and, and you still watch them because they're handsome. Yeah. <laughs> or for whatever reason. I mean. Handsome. You, did, you watch, did you watch Bronson because he was handsome? Because like he's not. It's not great. No. I mean, he's like, he's very scary and unpleasant yeah. in that movie, but it's also very watchable. Yeah. Um, and I don't know. I think that's the quality that Crowley needs. Sure. And we need to go like, all right, Crowley did do this one little bit of good thing in his life by sexually awakening this, yes, this guy. Yes, totally. Um, that's the only good thing he did. The <laughs> end. The very, very end. I don't really have a title for this. Do you? Um, I want to call it – I still want to call it – Conjure Me By Your Name? I want to call it Call Me By Your Name, Alistair Crowley. <laughs> but we could totally do Conjure Me By Your Name. Or it could just be like, Alistair. <laughs> Starring Ewan McGregor. I mean, oh, that's good too. He's not bad. Ewan I was McGregor gonna, I was just gonna say too. Like, and by the way, when all else fails and it's got to be someone old timey, just cast someone British, Michael Fassbender, and we know that he's equipped <laughs> to do love scenes. The end. Goodbye. Let's all He'd go. He'd be fantastic in he that. Would. I love that guy. He'd be so good in that. Would he do it? And let's be honest. Yeah. We're he probably not gonna moment, get. <laughs> we're pro- he needs what? So he needs a little help at this moment. Does he? Um, What's his face didn't open the way it was supposed to. Oh, his last. He's got an X-Men oh, movie. Oh, um, Assassin's out. Creed didn't do anything. Oh, okay. Sorry. Well, he's got an X Men movie. He does. He's He'll be right. fine. And he's married he's to a, Alicia Vikander, and they're he, happy. It's all that matters. He's a great actor. He's so great. Um, we know we know that as much as we want Timothy Chalamet to do this, he's probably not going to do this. He's not a. He's not tech avail. So. Because he doesn't want to be typecast. It's like, so wait, it's the same thing as Call Me By Your Name, but I, they're trying to get a demon to be born? I think that he actually, I, 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 the few interactions I've had with him, I find him to have no like idea of him or concept of himself. I think that he's really excited to be a part of everything. Huh. And he's a kid. You mean he hasn't like typecast himself? Like No, we, we, had, we shot, we had a photo shoot with he and Army and Luca Guadagnino and their schedule was so packed that we had to, and this is how much I love our creative people at The Wrap, turn the space on the wall between two movie theater doors to the screens, not to the street, but to mm-hmm. the actual theaters into a flex space to do a photo shoot for wow. a magazine because they were coming to do a Q&A, which I moderated. And we had like 15 minutes before the end of the movie and the start of the Q&A. Wow. And we did a full scale studio professional shoot. Awesome. And we used some of the Landmark Theater's furniture in it, by the way, which turned out great. I'll show you. I'll put the shout pictures in the Shout out Landmark notes. Theater. And I shout love out that theater. our creative director, Otta Guerin, who did that with nothing. Huge um, shout out, Otta. Yeah, she's the best. And also, I believe Otta created our logo. Was that? I Otta? think she did. Or did our, our, her team did. Um, yes, our, our picture, which I don't love of me, but it's great. Um, well, anyway, I love it. Uh, when we we tweeted out that Timothy was going to be there, and uh, about sixteen um, lovely uh, Japanese kids stormed the landmark, having seen our tweet, to try to get to him because he has a rabid fan base. Timothy, really? It's it's very unexpected. In Japan. 
and everywhere. Twitter is his, like, he is a Twitter b- darling. Like, he's wow. a Twitter boyfriend. He's in the club with, like, yeah. Riz Ahmed and Donald Glover yeah. and Oscar Isaac. <laughs> um, and the untrained, sorry, strike that, the unprepared or unexpected um, security guard who's just, like, mm. a, who's, who's a private security for the mall that Landmark is in had no idea what to do. Oh, no. Because it was a throng and Timothy looked so unfazed by it and just said hello and like, not that, I, I just, he, he just has this air about him that's really casual. So I think that, and my you point is this. You think he will do our devil sex movie? I think that movie. he will do our devil sex movie and he'll be like, yo, devil penises. <laughs> um, but actually he's busy. He's playing young King Lear or something? How long oh, are we? Good. we long? It'll be good. Yeah. Um, you can cut out the whole. I sound like a sycophant talking about the security guard stuff. Just cut that out, please. No, you sound like you hate the security guards. I do hate the security <laughs> guards. You know what? Actually, no, I like security guards. I don't like the mall cop that didn't know what Whoa. he was doing. Just Whoa. kidding. Don't put that in there. You okay. don't have my consent. All right. Um. Anyway, so I don't have a title for this. What if it would? What if leaving it in there would help us raise a demon? Because I the then demon, I would do it because the demon likes. How about this? Don't cut it too early. <laughs> Let it play nice and long. <laughs> and there it is. Good? We could cut right there. Yeah. I think we could. Okay. Cool. <laughs>